Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 43 of Women in Confidence. Today, I am joined by Amy Wong, who is many things, I will say. She's the founder of her business, Always on Purpose. She's a speaker. She's an executive leadership coach uh, with a particular focus on presence coaching. She's a facilitator and she is also an author. So many, many, many things. She has over 20 years of knowledge around transformation and has provided thousands of transformative experiences for individuals, executives, teams and organizations. So, Amy, hello and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. So you have so much that we could talk about right now, so much. I mean, we only just need to pick up one of those and that's always on purpose. And we could talk about that for the whole podcast around what that means for confidence. But just to warm up this conversation, I always ask my guests this question. What does having confidence mean to you? Well, gosh, you know, I've been a coach for over 10 years now. It's been maybe close to 12. And you know, I'm just, I research so much. I live, eat, drink, breathe, all things growth and transformation. And I would say that in my own personal experience and in watching others, true confidence is when we have, when we, when we prioritize the relationship we have with ourselves and that relationship is truly one in which we know ourselves to be unconditionally whole and complete. Because when you know that that deep knowing of wholeness and completeness then there's no need to prove and therefore there's nothing there's there's no nothing's threatening and without the eyes of evidence and needing to prove and things are threatening and uh we just show up and so that to me it's really it really all stems and it comes down to the relationship we have with ourselves and then on a scale of one to ten how confident do you feel? I mean, not at this present moment, but just generally. <laughs> you know, I have to say, I, I'm, I'm one of those optimistic people. I always see the glass half full. Everything's always better than it is, and it tastes better than most people think it, it does. Like I'm just, I don't know, I'm just a really optimistic person. I would generally say I'm, I'm, I probably have around nine constantly. And if t- if ten is the scale, I wouldn't probably wouldn't give it a ten because ten just feels so final. I always feel like we're always in <laughs> progress of growing and evolving, but I would say by and large, I mean, I, to me, what's most important truly is this relationship I have with myself and minding this primary lens that I look out to the world through. Yeah. Yeah. I love an optimist. I think, well, I'm totally in your (laughs) camp as well. Like, (laughs) why not wake up every day and think it's going to be amazing? Why not? It's a great place to start. So let's talk about always on purpose, because I think that's what drew me into talking to you. And I have gone over these words a number of times ahead of this Mm -hmm. conversation, because I think you can put emphasis on either of them. You could be always on purpose. You could be always on purpose. I mean, it depends how you want to say it. But tell me about the origins of those words and then we'll get into what what you actually do in your business. Oh, yeah. And so this is a this is a big, rich story. It's my career started off in tech and I was at Sun Microsystems for 10 years. And that period in my life, I considered the old paradigm, the old me. In that, in that phase of life, I was happy on paper. Like my life was fine. And, you know, in fact, on paper, my life was amazing, but I always felt like 
I was missing something or a longing. And, you know, now as a coach, I, it's like what most people feel. It's like, ah, something's just not ah. And I, I didn't have the ability to say, I just didn't have the words to say, or the, or the wisdom to say, mm, I'm not living my purpose. I, because I, I would have said, no, I'm living my purpose. I'm doing great work. It's sun. I get to travel the world. I work with amazing people. I'm learning. I'm, I can see I'm making the world a better place. Great. Like, it didn't really click that I wasn't living my purpose, but still something was off. After I had a big breakdown, when my first child was born, who's now 14, I, it was a massive wake up call. And that breakdown really precipitated a breakthrough. And in this very raw moment in my life, I had to confront, wow, you know, Amy, you are not attending to all that you are and you're not. And in fact, you, you don't even know who you are. And up to that point, I had associated my worth, my identity, my accomplishments, my, my job as most people do. And I just didn't know otherwise after Aiden was born, you know, nothing, nothing slaps you in the face. Like, who are you when you have to become a parent? It's like, Oh my gosh, now I'm living for this child over here. So I really saw, wow, you really don't know who you are. Cause, and here's why, because I couldn't go back to my job and it wasn't because I wanted to stay home and be a stay at home mom. It just, it hit me. If I'm not, if I'm not going to be home, if I'm going to choose not to be with him, it better be for a really damn good reason. And so I had come up with a framework and I was like, okay, so it's either going to be for one reason we're financially, in, we're, we're dependent on my income. Is that true? Well, it wasn't true. Is this my, my calling in the world in which like I, I live and breathe and eat this. I'm like, no, that wasn't true either. And is this my only place for social fulfillment? No, that wasn't true. So if, because I couldn't say yes to any of that, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't go back. But if I can't go back and that was me, then who am I? It's like <laughs> massive breakdown. And in that came the breakthrough. And the breakthrough was this incredible moment in my closet where truly it was like a divine download. I was hit with this epiphany and everything changed in a moment. And the epiphany was, Amy, you're going about it all wrong. It's not about figuring it out. It's about feeling it out. And like as simple as that statement is, there's just, just this tremendous wisdom in this. And what that really means is, you know, everything that we're after in life, everything we want, everything we think we want, it's not for the thing. It's not for the title. It's not even for the money. We want it because we think it's going to make us feel a certain way behind every desire is a desired feeling state. And that's ultimately what we're after. But we don't think about it that way. And we get caught up in the thing and oftentimes forsaking the feeling. And so we create these lives, chasing the thing, figuring out how to get to the thing, often forsaking the feeling. So I was like, oh, my gosh, that's that's oh, whoa. So when that epiphany hit me, everything within me reorganized and my entire sense of self, my perception, in fact, it was almost like that someone came and went with like a whole new lens to look through. Do you remember back in the day, the red classic viewfinder? Did you ever have those? Yeah. You know, it's like, and then you'd like look out and you'd see all the safari. Yeah. It was like that. It was like, right. Or maybe even taking it off. I don't even know, but it was, it was so profound. And in this massive shift was a radically profound decision to navigate life in a totally different way in which was from this point forward, I am no longer going to follow the thought or the strategy because it sounds good or it seems like a good idea. I will only go forth if it feels amazing. And so that was so 
radically different because here I'm a mathematician, like everything's based in logic, everything's based in argument, everything has to be rational and, and it has to make sense. And so when I, when this came to me, I was like, oh my gosh, so this means I have to follow my inspiration. So the moment that happened, then my inspiration was like, okay, well, you know what, let's pick up those physics books that you love to read and let's pick up this and let's, and so I just immersed myself in all the topics that I just love so much and namely quantum physics. I really like, I love all things consciousness studies. I've been a very spiritual person. I started meditating when I was in fifth grade. Like I just, I love all, all the big questions. And so that's always been running. And so when I went off on this path of inspiration, this, I swear to goodness, it was like a lit path that just kept saying, go, go, go. And like the most amazing books and webinar, like conferences. And, and I just, I would choose the thing that made me go. And so very quickly, what emerged was the path of least resistance to the path of most abundance. And within, I'm not kidding, within like seven months, I'm now enrolled in a graduate school to to get my master's in transpersonal psychology. It's so funny because my husband's like, what the heck are you going (laughs) to do with this? And I'm like, I have no clue, but it feels and sounds amazing. Like, I cannot wait. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. And he was like, are you even licensed for anything? And I'm like, nope. And that's what's great. I'm just going to study it. And he's like, okay. And I was I'm like, just trust me, it's going to work out. I just, I just know it. Well, what was so amazing was that having immersed myself now in this study, man, was it painful? Oh, I'll tell you that. Oh my gosh. It was because I had been so used to rigor like just when you think about it i went to uc berkeley for math it was so hard and just i mean the rigor and the math and the logic and it's just objective and irrefutable and you're dealing with proofs and right and so then now i go get my master's in transpersonal psychology which is a search for truth in a completely non-linear and subjective way and it was i mean and it was so interesting i remember there was one course that like creative expression and like one of the assignments was like okay finger paint with your toes and see what you get and I was like what are you talking about like what is this madness like absolutely not this is ridiculous and so the 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 merging of these two fields little did I know lended itself perfectly to coaching and I again it was just this lit path coaching found me and it was almost as if the universe just said oh here you go. And everything that I had ever done, studied, was interested in, fascinated in, just emerged. And so immediately started my practice in like 2010. And then I found it always on purpose in 2011. But here's how the name came about. And so this is a big setup for how it actually became always on purpose. True to form, I only operate off inspiration. So therefore, I like everything about the beginning of my business, the start of my business, the creation of my business has been completely driven by inspiration, not a strategy, not a business plan, not because someone said I needed to do it. And so naturally, as my coaching practice is getting off the ground, I'm like, oh, I got to name it. I got to name it. Oh, OK, what am I going to name it? And so I'm coming up with these stupid names like non-duality coaching and like and I'm, and, and I'm like I'm playing around with it, but it just didn't hit. And I was totally in that place of figuring it out. And I knew it, though. That's why I knew that this was like I was figuring out that process. So I'm like, nope, not going to take it, not going to take it, not until the inspiration hits. But I was like, you know what? It'll hit me. I'm not worried. It'll hit me. And so true to form inspiration says, okay, Amy, you must read Wayne Dyer's new book. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'll read Wayne Dyer's new book. And the, the, the feeling was like, you have to read this. So I get the audio book and we're on vacation. 
and I'm in the gym where we're at. We happen to be away with my family we're on vacation. I'm in the gym there at the resort and I'm listening to this audiobook, and I'm like, gosh, this is an awful book. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> why am I listening to this? But there was something in me that was like, no, keep listening. There's something here for you. And I had no idea what it was. I was just, but the pull to listen, even though I had this judgment about it, was really interesting. So I'm literally on the machine. And all of a sudden, I hear him say, on purpose. And that was it. Like, it was as if an electric jolt hit me. And I flew off the machine. I was like, that's it. And I raced back to the hotel room and I went in to see if the, and to see if the URL was available and it was, and I'm like, yeah, this is mine. This is it. And so purchased it and never looked back. <laughs> you have raised quite a lot there that I want to talk about, or maybe just mention, but I really like what you said around breakdown actually was your breakthrough because I think many people see these really momentum momentous sorry occasions in life where things don't go to plan you know they get made redundant or they don't get the promotion or they become a new parent or a new carer and you know life has to change hugely or they get depression or whatever whatever is going on for people that tends to stop people in their tracks but I really like how you said actually your breakdown was your breakthrough because it really shifts the the meaning of it or even just the concept of it to say actually this is not this is not the end actually this is just the beginning of something even more momentous yeah I love that and then the other thing I want to talk about is you talked about doing things that make you feel good at the time when you went through this process were you even consciously aware of your feelings or were they I think I only say Mm -hmm. that because Mm -hmm. I know having worked in corporates often feelings get subdued or that's a great question yeah no I'm really glad you bring that up because there's so much weird context around feelings and emotion and it's unfortunate because it's really just information you know our body is giving us so much information and it's really through felt sensation and 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 so for me having been so logical for most of my life and very rational for most of my life it wasn't that I wasn't I didn't really think about it in terms of emotion here's here's the way I thought about it I mapped it back to how the universe is is growing. The, the universe grows by virtue of expansion and contraction, expansion and contraction. And so these are two very necessary forces in the world. And that's actually how we operate as humans. There's expansion and contraction, expansion and contraction. There's birth and then there's death. There's up and then there's down. There's life. You know, it's, we're, it's expansion, contraction. And so what I was feeling for was when do I feel expansive? And it's almost as if like there's this, heart in my chest or lower in my body. It's just like, ah, it's almost like, it's kind of like breathing more space into me. There's like a feeling of relief. There's a feeling of expansion. And that's the best word I can put it versus what makes me feel constricted, right? Because I know when I'm figuring something out, I'm strategizing, I'm manipulating, I'm trying to control, I'm trying to calculate my way to something. And not that that's bad, but there's a lot of energy and that can often be constrictive for me because I'm trying to force an outcome versus allow what is. And so when I can allow what is, that's an expansiveness and then wisdom starts to emerge. So that's really what I was feeling for was where do I feel this, which is probably where I'm figuring it out versus uh, this where it's like, oh, where my eyebrows go up and there's like, oh, and it's, and especially if I, if it was a really energizing, inspired idea, it was like, oh, 
where it almost feels like you get the breath knocked into you. Like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that was always what I was, I'm like, that's, that's gold. So I'm, I was, I'm always feeling for the, and I still operate to this day, like whether it's, am I going to sign you on as a contractor? Or it's like, or am I going to choose you as, you know, a partner? Or am I going to take this gig? Like what makes me feel versus, right? And that's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. That's, re- that's really good advice to actually, what you're saying is just listen to your body. I mean, your body has, but the human and the body has been... Yeah going for many 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 years and so it knows what it's doing and so when it's giving you those signs of sort of a constricted feeling or a sense of freedom you have to listen to that because that is something as important but I think I guess the challenge is many people perhaps like you were are very rational very logical and think actually does this doesn't make sense being told to listen to my body doesn't make sense and yeah how did you lean into that space? You said you were very spiritual ah. when you were younger, but how did you accept that everything that you've sort of learned and how you've been up to that point, you had to maybe figure something else out? So really what it came down to was in that massive insight. It's not about figuring it out. It's about feeling it out. So this is where I had to use logic in order to really shift into a whole new way of being. And the, and the really, it really kind of rests upon a very powerful axiom, which I choose this to be an axiom, which is everything we want really maps to a feeling state. (laughs) Everything we want, we want to, as humans, we essentially want to feel good. I don't think there's any human out there that genuinely in, in their, in their, in their heart of hearts wants to feel awful, depressed, sad, constricted, you know, scarce, like, no, it's, we want to feel at peace. We want to feel good. We want to feel meaningful. We want, we want to feel positive. We want to feel good. And everything we want in life, we want it because we think it's going to make us feel good. Right. And, and that, why do we want money? Well, we think it's because it's going to give us a certain lifestyle. Well, why do we want that lifestyle? Because we think that it essentially it'll map to freedom. It'll map, map to all these feeling states and they're always of a good it's always a good, right? So mm. we can just say good. So if that's true, which I firmly believe that it is, then why wouldn't we use that as a way of navigating instead of an idea? Because the idea often gets in the way. And what hit me was here I was on this perfect path of figuring it out. I had done all the things. I had really exceeded at school. I had all these accomplishments, all these accolades, you know, I I started working when I was 18, turning 19 years old at Sun Microsystems while I'm going to Cal, while I'm teaching at Cal, while I'm, but you just keep adding onto this stuff, right? So on paper, this is amazing. I get this great job and I rise, you know, and I'm, I'm progressing really well. And, you know, I'm 26, 27 and I've got this phenomenal job and I'm traveling the world and all these things on paper make sense. And I keep following the formula like okay do it this and do it then you got to do this and then you got to get the promotion and but you don't really stop and ask like well does this actually map to what I want to feel and it wasn't until it hit me oh my gosh the reason I'm miserable and it's not that I was miserable miserable but I was lost it's because all of this makes sense on paper but I don't feel fulfilled and it was simply because I'd been chasing the thing right which is strategy constricted versus following the feeling, which is the shortest path to the most joy. And so I had to use that logic to say, right, I'm going to have to try it because 
this makes perfect sense. <laughs> and the other way didn't work so well. So let me try that. What have I got to lose? Honestly, what have I got to lose? And what was proven and, and what was revealed, let me say that word. I like that better. What was revealed to me was that not only is this truly what life is about, like this is so easy and so effortless. It takes faith, but the moment you, you choose it, there's no turning back. Mm. There's absolutely no turning back. Well, let's talk about always and purpose then. How do you serve your clients and what what transformations do you see in those clients, whether they're individual clients or organizations? Yeah. So simply put, if I had to kind of look at the areas in, that are focal areas for me, it's it's growth, transformation and flow. Right. So those kind of are the 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 focal areas. A huge passion of mine is communication. Because communication, all things, whether it's conversation, public speaking, present uh, pitching, negotiation, interaction dynamics, all of this is fascinating to me because this is how we this is how we make things happen in the world. Nothing happens in a vacuum. And so our ability to be in relationship with one another via this medium of communication is just enthralling to me because this is where everything is. So this has become a passion and an expert, you know, an expertise of mine. But what I the way I see this is that this medium of communication, it's a symptom of the relationship we have with ourselves. And so when I really want to, when, when I'm really partnered with a client or with a team or whatever it might be, and we're really up for the big game, you know, yeah, we're going to reform all aspects of communication so that it serves you. But we see this as really, this is symptomatic of the deeper stuff. Now, what's the deeper stuff? The deeper stuff is the ways in which you you believe like what are the beliefs you hold about yourself? What are the beliefs you hold about the world? Because all of those beliefs together are really going to determine the quality of your life and the impact you're able to have. And so when I so really what I'm after is helping people realize the abs. And this sounds so cliche, but it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. It's having having people realize the absolute best version of themselves and realize and live into the, the most delicious aspirational vision they have for their life. And it's not by changing the pieces around. It's not by accomplishing the thing. It's not by gaining the thing. It's not by getting the promotion. It's not by making more money. It's like we could do that, but that's not interesting. It's about making these bigger internal shifts in perception about how you perceive, how you interpret, what beliefs you make, all of those things together that essentially will lead to one's thriving. Yeah. When I was doing my research uh, about you, um, you talk on your website around a tree and how a tree start where well, you talk roots, the trunk, and then the branches and, and the leaves. Just explain that model and how that impacts on transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So I call this model, the fundamentals of thriving and it was when I was doing public speaking coaching that this really emerged for me because, you know, a lot of people were coming to me saying, Hey, I want to, I want to have more presence. I want to appear more confident. I want to be a better public speaker. Right. And essentially what people were wanting to do were tweak the effects so that they looked better. They sounded better that, that, that their effects were more ideal. And I thought, and I was like, you know, we could tweak the effects, but that's not getting to the root of real confidence. That's not getting to the root of freedom. And 
me recognizing that communication is a symptom of the deeper stuff, like the tree model hit me. It was like, oh my gosh, right. So here it goes. Let's imagine that, you know, each of us is this beautiful oak tree. Now, in theory, like we all want it to be a healthy, thriving oak tree. That's I would would assume each of us want is to have a really healthy, stable, strong, thriving oak tree. Now, in order for this oak tree to be healthy, all aspects need to be healthy. Yet when people come to coaching and let's use public speaking or executive presence, they'll come and they'll say, hey, prune my leaves, please. You know, make make my make my canopy look really pretty, not not really thinking about the health of the roots or the water and the fertilization, not thinking about all of that. And so what's interesting is some people say, well, just what are the techniques? And so it's like, well, we could prune it. That's not really going to get you too far. And so if we really want that canopy to be healthy, we got to look at the whole system. And it starts with the roots and the, what's the roots represent? Well, that represents that internal model. What do you believe about yourself? What do you know about yourself? What beliefs do you hold? So it's that deeper work about with self, because here's the thing, this relationship that we have with ourselves, meaning what I believe about myself, what I know about myself, how I regard myself. I mean, what it comes down to is self-love, right? This relationship with self absolutely forms the primary lens that we look out to, to the world. And it's not that the world is objective. The world that we see is completely colored by that lens. And so the, we think the world is objective. It's not objective. What we're experiencing is absolutely due to this relationship we have with ourselves. So if we want to, so we got to, we got to factor that in. So that's the roots. And then you've got the, tr the, the, the trunk, Right. And so in my model, that represents the relationships we have with one another, because guess what? We don't live in a vacuum. So are we able to create trust? Are we able to be are we able to be coherent and, and connected with one another? Are we able to co-create mutual success? Right. That that has to be intentional. And like, what's my ability to do that? And then, of course, there's the canopy. So that's like the that's the skills stuff. That's the techniques. That's, you know, are you pausing? Are you taking a breath? Are you thinking before you speak? Right. So then there's all that effectual stuff that we can do. But if we really want to see it as a system and we really want to thrive, we have to really take all aspects into account in a somewhat nonlinear way because each person is different. And for, for me, and, and that's exactly how I approach my clients, I say to them before we can end the end goal being confident. And that, again, is a very subjective term. Anyway, we have to work on the inner piece you've got to know how you speak to yourself you've got to know how you feel you've got to know what how those feelings impact your behaviors etc and I think for me some of my clients are quite surprised by that because they're like no 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 I just want to be confident and yeah. don't want to put in the time but I'm not saying it's hard work but do you find clients want the quick fix you know I'm sure there are clients out there but it's a, when I when I potentially partner with someone or an entity, you know, I make it really clear. I'm like, look, here's, here's what we're in for. And this is what it's going to be about. And I haven't yet found someone that was like, no, not for me. I mean, generally, I think it's just the way in which I have to, I just have to frame it up. And maybe this is where my power of logic and argument come in. Cause I make a really strong case for why this is so critically important and to not do it really is a waste of time. And so, yeah, it hasn't, I haven't really bumped up against anyone that wasn't that once you know they reach out they're they're ready 
And if they're ready, then that usually means that they're willing. And yeah. So <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk to you about is about your book, so called Living on Purpose. And it was out quite recently. I want to say May yes. it came out. Yeah. So quite, it's new. And one of the sort of the subtitle is Five Deliberate Choices to Realize Fulfillment and Joy. Yeah. I think I hope that I've got that correct. You got so, it. Right. Shall we talk about what these five deliberate choices are? Because I think it's, you know, finding fulfillment and joy. There's some element there about confidence. You know, like you said, most people want to achieve a feeling so Mm -hmm. they can feel fulfilled or they can. And joy is absolutely a feeling in in my view. It's like it is a feeling that I certainly want to live for. How what are these five deliberate choices? Because I think people will be super interested to hear what they are. Yeah. So I think it's important to take a step back and, you know, one of the things that I have to focus on when I introduce this to folks is, you know, this book is really about being on purpose. It's not so much purpose as a noun, but purpose as an adverb, which really is a state of being, which essentially says, hey, you have an opportunity to be in the driver's seat of your own life. Now, what does that mean? Like, we'd all like to think that we're in the driver's seat of our own life. But the truth is, a lot of us live on autopilot. And we are just replaying and deploying survival mechanisms and patterns and habits. And we're largely unconscious going through our days, which really means that we're reacting instead of responding to the stuff of life. And it's not that that's bad, but that's when you kind of succeed on accident. That's when you kind of stumble into happiness versus own your happiness and claim it and get to live from this amazing step point. And so being on purpose is so it's a gift but it's a choice and to make that choice it's really about understanding how profound and what a gift it is that we do have this superpower of choice now when i talk about choice i'm not talking about choice so much at the action level meaning okay so i'm going to choose to go for a run instead of flop on the couch and watch a bunch of reruns right so choice like that is important because yeah we want to make choices that serve us on the action level but really what even powers the choices we make at the action level are the choices we make one layer deeper which and here it is it's choice at the level of perception we navigate our world and we get to choose how we perceive something what we make it mean, how we interpret it, the beliefs we hold about the thing, the conclusions we make about the thing. And it's exactly those choices at the level of perception that ultimately determine our our, our quality of life. And we can be miserable or we can or we can feel like we're on top of the world. And it's going to be because of how we choose to see what's around us and what we make it mean and how we navigate in our perception. So these five choices are really perceptual shifts that we can make. It really, the book itself is is a roadmap and it's a roadmap of these five perceptual shifts. And what's so great, and yeah, I didn't intend this when I was writing it, really this, I swear to goodness, this book wrote itself, which is so magical to me. And what's so great about this is that each of these choices are somewhat independent. And if you take on any one of these, like just life is so much more delicious. You take all five, it's like, amazing and there's really and I, I presented it in order that makes logical sense so that you can really kind of go on this journey but you, you don't you don't need to take them in this order however the order kind of helps from a logical point of view and so here are the choices the first i mentioned which was the one that was the epiphany i had was feel it out don't figure it out 
right? And so if we want the short path to the most abundance, the path of least resistance to the most abundance, it's going to require us following that expansive feeling, not the constricted feeling. And because that that is our inner wisdom saying, whoa, 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 actually, this is going to serve you, not that. That's the first choice. The second choice, and this is everyone's favorite, and I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many times people have said, chapter four was totally, I mean, if if, if, if I got so much out of chapter four, that was like the, the whole cause of the book was just chapter four itself. And this is where I, where I present chapter choice two. And chapter two, chapter four is titled, I should you not, I should you not. And so it, it, the, the, the choice is choose to know that there is no way things or you should be, period. There is no way things should be. Now, this is a huge deep dive into the nature of the word should. And I get really, I, I mean, I present a pretty strong argument as to what, what the heck's really going on with this word, why it feels so icky and how it truly, truly, truly holds us back. And so there's so much magic to this one. And it's, it is a game changer for a lot of folks. It truly, it is. In fact, I have to tell you a fun story. I got a note, note from someone who is one of the foremost authorities in housing for the state of California based here in San Francisco, read read the book, totally changed her life. Just the the choice, feel it out, don't figure it out. And there's no way things should be. So much so that the entire department is now using those two methods to think about how we are doing housing in California, <laughs> affordable housing. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. That's you know, she's like, she's like, it is, it has completely changed the way in which we do work. And it is just it's a, it's a, it, she goes, it was a game changer. I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's tremendous. So those two together make for a pretty amazing experience. But then when you add in the third, this is where like all of a sudden, now you're above the neutral line all the time. And the third choice is it's always working out for you. Choose to know it's always working out for you. So this goes back to something you were saying earlier, where things are going to happen and the unexpected and the this and then that, and then it's hard. And the truth is, life is a complete mix of expansion and contraction. If there is up, there must be down. If there is birth, there must be death. It is just a reality. So it is so crazy to me to think that we should just expect win, 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 right? And it's crazy to expect that we should expect consistency and certainty. There's nothing that stays the same in this plane of existence. And there is nothing that will ever be certain. And so if we can embrace this idea that we grow both in the growth, in the light and in the dark, because we do, we grow equally in the light and in the dark, then this can be a game changer because all of a sudden you can learn to be in a place of appreciation instead of resistance to the to the unexpected, to the, uh, the mishaps, the tragedies and the traumas. And again, it's a choice. I'm not saying it's truth. But if you try this on and you really, again, you kind of understand the argument I'm making for what this actually provides, it's a really powerful way to live into a life of thriving. The fourth is you are already whole and complete. So this is a big one because a lot of us become conditioned to think that we need to prove it. And again, I use a very strong argument as to why we actually already are. And it's our, it's this habit we get into proving that takes us away from peace and peace of mind. And so that is a really big deep dive. And in order to sink it all, and this is the big one, is number five is choose to know, not believe your worth. 
So I have to dive into the very profound difference between believing and knowing how those are two very different perceptual choices and how the unlock and the ability to live unconditionally is in knowing. And it's uh, it's really fun. So again, this is where you could say I use quite a bit of logic and argument, but it's very freeing. It's very freeing. Whilst you were talking, I could really get a sense of your logical mathematician brain and then your transpersonal psychology <laughs> and this lovely like mix of the two coming together and you making it sound so like just sense because I imagine that the two are polar opposites like you said earlier you've got your yeah. very rational and very I don't know ethereal you know non-conceptual <laughs> or like, yeah. um, totally. but yet how you just described it is just a beautiful mix of the of the two coming together we all need to get this book how do we find it Amy yeah so it's well on my website always on purpose you can get it there but Amazon is probably the best place because I have an audiobook. I got to narrate the audiobook, which is awesome. So there's the Kindle version, the audiobook, and the printed version. And that's all on Amazon or Audible, however you get your book. But the book is sold where all books, I mean, it's it's available where all books are sold. So like oh, Barnes so it's, and it's sold in hard copy as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Fab. Yeah. And I, that's right. I'll put all yeah. those details in the show notes. There's the one last thing I do want to talk to you because you've mentioned it a couple of times and it's on your website as well. And you've talked in some of your um, the videos that you've created as well. You talk about thriving. Yes. And I just want to understand thriving because you talked about, you know, the world is not always logical. Thriving to me is really subjective because oh, your thriving is different to my yeah. thriving to the next yeah. person's to the next person's help me understand what you mean by thriving and, well, and maybe bring yeah. that to life a bit for me that'd be great absolutely and you're absolutely right and you know in all my work around conversational intelligence because I coach on this I teach on it I work with it you know one of the main tenets of being very conversationally intelligent is be is remembering to double click on words and terms that we commonly use, which most likely have a very different meaning for one another, right? So this this is true for the word like success. This is true for the word leadership. This is true for the word initiative. I mean, honestly, to be fair, every single word that we're using and sharing with one another, like we think we're on the same page, but we're actually not. We bring our own meaning to every single word that we're using and sharing. But thriving is probably one of those words where we're going to have such different, very diverse ideas of what it means. And I have yet, and I can't validate this with anything, but I have yet to experience anyone that would think of thriving in a negative sense, because if we just kind of look at it at its most basic Thriving is the opposite of surviving in my book, right? And so when I think of the brain, when I think of the body, like there's two states that we can be in. We can either be in that survival state or we can be in a, in a regulated state, right? And that a surviving state, that's really rough on, on the human body and on the mind, right? We're in a neurochemical state that keeps us from our best thinking, that has us looking out and seeing what's wrong instead of what's right, wreaks havoc on our immune system. We can't reproduce, we can't digest, right? So there's, there's in a survival state, it's going to happen. We get triggered, you know, our bodies and our brains and our brainstem, it's looking out for danger and it's going to neurocept and pick up things that our thinking brain doesn't necessarily think is dangerous, but it's actually our survival brains like, oh my gosh, this is dangerous. And we'll go into a survival state. That's just going to happen. But on the flip side of surviving is this state where we are receptive, where we are open, 
where we are heart-centered, where we are present, where we can be generative, where we can be creative, where we can actually think outside of ourselves, bigger than ourselves. Because when you're in a surviving state, it's about how do I self-sustain? And it's all about self, 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 self. Now, if you know anything about joy, the studies on joy, and the Dalai Lama does the most brilliant, beautiful jobs of talking about what joy really is. Joy is when it's not about self. It's when about it's about the other. It's about something bigger than self. But the only way to get there is if you're not in a survival state. And so to me, thriving is that state in which we are receptive and, and able to tap into that, where meaning and joy and fulfillment really are just the natural currency of that state of being. And what do you do then to keep yourself thriving? What are your personal tips or practices or rituals? Yeah, well, I 100% live by my my the tenets in my book. <laughs> you will very it'll it'll be you would be hard pressed to ever hear me or live by a should should, but I do have a caveat. There's something it's so it's so interesting to me as a mother. Like I cannot get past the shoulds in mother, like as a mother, like, oh, I should spend more time here. I should be like, I, there are some shoulds in my, my parenting for sure. I think it's because I love them so dang much, but I think living really truly embodying what it is that I have come to realize or see here as, as a, as a path to freedom. I live that I meditate every day. Um, I'm, I've got, I've got a beautiful morning ritual that is sacred to me that I, you know, that I've had for years that I do I mean it's it's like so here choice at the level of action you know meditation exercise you know being with friends that I love surrounding my I'm very very discerning of my inputs and I can't I cannot say that more emphatically I am so discerning of my inputs I am completely intolerant of taking in anything that isn't going to help me be better help me help the world or essentially make me feel like I'm in a thriving state. So that's a big one. Yeah. Just knowing that I'm always, I'm just that knowing what my purpose is and really knowing that I, that's what I'm here to do is live by that. That mm -hmm. actually really helps me also. It's like, cause this isn't, this isn't about being happy. This is about being of service. This is about making the world a better place. This is about raising the vibration of consciousness and like that. I just live by I mean, that definitely helps. There is so much power in what you said about controlling your inputs, because I think people just are not necessarily conscious of it or it's just and I say that because in the world today and I'm I'm definitely saying this because I'm 49 and I think, you know, 10 years ago, perhaps when Instagram, all this sort of social media noise, there is so much input that is negative, right? You know, just generally there's the TV, there's the radio, uh, you know, all this social media. But there's so much power in what you say is you control your inputs, whether that's people you, you're with, whether that's what you listen to, that's who you talk to, it's what you decide to take in and engage in. And I I want to pause because yeah. it's so powerful that oh. it is a real it's a choice because it goes back to yep. what some of yours you choose your inputs and you have absolute control over what you allow oh. into your space yeah correct a hundred percent true you know and people are like well but I have a responsibility to be up to speed and I'm like okay well if you choose to feel that way then fine I I don't but I'm like if it's important I'll I'll find out about it but the way I see this about being discerning about inputs we 
I'll be very, very simplistic about this. At the end of the day, if you want to watch TV because you want to unwind, you've had a big day and you're like, okay, cool. Like, I just want to, I just want to chill out. You sit down in front of the TV. If you turn that TV on and up pops a horror film, you're like, ah, like, I'm ah, like, what do you like? Unless you're the type of person that really wants to watch horror in order to unwind, which I, I haven't met someone like that, but maybe, maybe you are. Typically, that's not the case. What do you do? You change the channel. <laughs> so you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to watch that because you innately get that's absolutely going to affect how I feel right now. And I don't want to feel that. And so you change it to something else. And then you might change it to, I don't know, planet Earth. And you're like, oh, look at the dolphins. Oh, you know, and it's like, oh, I feel so much better. So you change the input because you get you get that it's totally going to determine how you feel. So we do this with the TV. We do this maybe with our social media at times, at times. But we get to do this in every area of our life. And I say where I think where it's most important to be discerning about what channel we're on is the channel in our mind. What's our inner dialogue? What channel are we on? And what is it that I'm choosing to watch? What is it that I'm choosing to say? What is it that I'm choosing to take in? Because that's really going to determine so much of the quality, so much of my experience. So, Amy, as we come to the close of this podcast, what's your one piece of advice for people who are listening and they're like, I just want to maybe be- become more confident. And that's one of those terms that, again, is hugely subjective. And that, Yeah, right. Set. We could totally double click on that. <laughs> vastly different. Yeah. 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 So you know, what's your one piece of advice? It would, it would take quite a bit to dive into because I, I have such a I, I, I get so passionate about what it really takes to be confident. And it really has to do with what we're making it up, like how we're focusing. But if I'm going to, if I'm going to keep this brief, it's really going to come down to really getting clear. Like if I'm not feeling confident in a, moment, in a moment, what am I choosing to believe about myself right now? And if we want to get to the heart of what we may be believing that's holding us back, that's not quite accessible to us at our normal waking consciousness, that is you more in the background. Here's the question that to get right to the heart of what's holding you back. And the question is this, and you have to answer from your survival brain. You can't answer from your logical brain. And here's the question. What are you most afraid other people would either find out or decide about you? And if you really let that question sink in, right. And you answer from your survival brain, you're going to get a answer. It's going to be like, Oh gosh, that I'm actually not smart or I don't know what I'm talking about, or I don't know what I'm doing, or actually I'm an imposter. Or I'm really, and it's going to be something of lack. And all of us have an answer. And the survival brain will usually dish up an answer. And it's the thinking brain that's like, yeah, but here, and then it tries to talk you out of it. And for good reason, that's great. But if you want to squarely look your saboteurs in the eye and get clear on how it is that you're holding yourself back from innate confidence, it's going to come down to what is that belief that you're holding? Because whatever you answered with, that's what you believe about yourself. And you're desperate for it to not be found out. And so the question is, is that really true? Right. So then we can kind of call on Byron Katie's amazing work. Like, is that really true? Come on now. Right. And so we could dive in. We could do a whole other podcast plus on really untangling the relationship we have with that core limiting belief. But oftentimes I find that if we want to really take this on and decide to live a life of confidence, we really have to be very honest about what it is that is fueling our lack of confidence. 
Well, maybe I get you back on and we just have a show just talking about limiting beliefs. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You could yeah. spend hours. You probably you could run workshops on this. For oh, I do. I mean, in, in yeah. fact, like literally like full day transformative workshops just on that. You know? <laughs> well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the show and um, coming at us all the way from California. So you're on what day is it? You're on Tuesday, I think, aren't you? That's still? Right. And I'm on Wednesday, <laughs> so, right. which is I love. I love. I get really excited about those small things about being on different <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, you're in the. You're looking into the future. Tell me, what's it like? <laughs> it's sunny and warm. <laughs> it's lovely. Oh, um, God, no, thank you so much for being on and for sharing all your advice and all your tips and everything around always on purpose. And you know, you could be always on purpose or always on purpose. I just love it. I've just yeah. played around with that so much in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you Truly. so much. <laughs>